Do the Titans have a miracle left in them in what has been a magical season to this point? If they do, they need it now. Christie kicks it high and short. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, pitches it, it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, 40, He's got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Throw back to some happier times there. The Music City Miracle. If only we had some happier things to talk about from the last couple of weeks. Welcome. I am Adam. This is the Transatlantic Titans podcast, like the first actual one. Um, I'm here with Harry Maltby, Neil Donahoe, and Greg Kett. Good evening to you all, or whatever time of day it is that this goes out. How are we? Good evening. Evening. Adam. Hello. Um, how how are we feeling? Because it's not been, it's probably not been the best fortnight as far as Titans go. Yeah, I think looking back to um, when we first did our little taster podcast a, a couple of weeks ago, we were feeling a lot more confident as Titans fans, and I think we are now. Um, it's been a it's been a tough couple of weeks being a Titans fan for sure. Um, a Thursday night game and a and a just a disappointing game against the Colts as well. Put a bit of a dampener on that amazing Browns game. What do you guys think? Well, let's, actually, before we before we get into that, shall we, Harry and I, we kind of introed ourselves in that little eight-minute thing we did the other day, um, how we became Titans fans. Um, basically, I, it made me depressed because it made me feel old. Um, Neil and Greg, why don't you introduce yourselves i mean neil for, let's start with you um you've pretty much the founder of the transatlantic titans well you are uh, you set up our facebook group back in the day yeah um we had about 12 people initially um <laughs> game threads were very sparse <laughs> maybe a comment every five minutes uh, but obviously we're not exactly hugest facebook group or fan community in world but we're very active now which is something i'm quite proud of actually um and you should be uh, we, we're we, we might not be the biggest but we're the best right yeah exactly and uh, as far as the team uh as a kid i used to collect nfl gearings what came with chewing gum um <laughs> oilers jersey powder blue always my favorite uh, got back into gaming like late 90s, 98, 99. Obviously a golden era for this team. And as soon as I realised that they used to be the Houston Oilers, I just hitched my wagon, as they say in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Greg, you're well, you're, you're sporting the Taylor Luan jersey, I see. Um, yeah, I am indeed. Um, yeah, so I've actually I've only really been following the Titans for about six or seven years. Um, I didn't really have an NFL team and then I went on a, a trek across America and decided I was going to, where my kind of most favourite city was, I was going to choose the uh, the NFL team that were there. So I literally went all the way from New York to LA along the south through New Orleans and Nashville was one place I went to that I didn't really expect anything from but then absolutely loved it. So I kind of adopted them after that. So yeah, not as long as uh, most of you guys, so only really in the last sort of six or seven years. But yeah, it's great, and we've we've been out there a fair few times to watch games and stuff. So it's uh, it's become pretty much uh, 
pretty much everything that we we do now holiday wise is around that that's fantastic you're there well yeah i've i've not been to nashville which is an embarrassing thing to admit maybe uh, which i ne- i really need to sort that out <laughs> but uh, it's oh. it's all it's all tricky but yeah you've uh, you've certainly done us proud in that regard yeah it's great to go out i mean there's nothing there's nothing like seeing a game I and mean, even like the wembley game was a great experience but being in in nashville for a game is there's nothing like it so yeah i'd recommend to anyone over here in the uk to, to go and do it if you haven't already definitely and Oh well, and, and get in touch with the get in touch with the team, and yeah, they they seem to particularly. I think since coming over to London last year, they seem to like us for some reason, um, which is which is great. Um, yeah, they they love the fact that they're getting a bit of support from other places that aren't Tennessee or the or the states. Yeah, it's a small market team, so you're going to get any any kind of support outside of the uh, Tennessee area is always. I think those guys they absolutely love it. And, yeah, we've um, yeah, we've definitely kind of been in contact with a few, few from the team and the, uh, some of the guys from the social media side on that side. They're yeah, they're great. They're very accommodating. And yeah, we've got two more games coming up this year. I think I know Harry, you're you're with us as well, so that will be uh, that'll be fun. Yeah, definitely can't wait to to head over there. I think I'm at the Chargers in the Tampa game, so uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to meet up and maybe do a, a podcast abroad as well whilst we're there as well. Just uh, a bit of a reaction from that. Yeah. Yeah, podcast in Tootsies or something like that would be brilliant. <laughs> no one would be able to hear a thing. It would be ideal. Fine. Even we won't be able to. Okay. Sounds sounds great to me. Um, yeah, I mean, so if you've if you've only been kind of following the team for the last six or seven years, it's it's probably not been the best best time. Um, well, yeah, well done for sticking with that. But the same probably goes for the last two weeks. I mean, Harry, you. You and I, as we as we said after Cleveland, were cock a hoop. Not not so much now. It's not been the best fortnight. Let's start with the Colts and the Fireball. That was as good as it got, really. Yeah, um, I've got two words to sum up that Colts game: hamster wheel. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> hamster wheel. Uh, every season. Year in, year out, it's just, I think it's our lot in life just to lose to Indy, regardless of who's at QB. I think a cardboard cutout or Andrew Luck at this point would probably eke out a field goal victory against us. Yeah, yeah. And at times it has literally been a couple cut out of him. But I, I, th- I thought we, despite everything, despite, well, Brissett actually looks decent, to be fair, um, and their, and their defence is much better than it was but I still thought we were going to win that game going into the fourth quarter with a lead should have had that should have had that field goal I think we could have as well I think the one thing before that game that was the first time that we played the Colts where I just everyone just expected us to win previously there's always been this with the Andrew Luck factor there's always been this uh, you know it's Andrew Luck we're never gonna never gonna beat him it's was it 12 games in a row whatever it was but there was there was this whole, it was almost like a foregone conclusion. I think there was a lot of people who just automatically assumed, luck's gone, that's it, we're going to go and win this game comfortably. Um, when actually, like you say, Brissett is a much better quarterback than he gets probably uh, kind of get taken for. I think a lot of people see him as, as a weak link, and actually he's not a bad player at all. And it was never going to be an easy game. The Colts are still, other than luck, have still the same team they were last year. And for me, I think they're, um, that was always going to be a tough game. And 
But like you said, I think going into the fourth quarter, you still felt we could go and definitely go and win it. But it's just some really poor decision making in that fourth quarter, especially in uh, especially in the last three four minutes. It was just in the end cost us. It could be fine lines because I think if we'd kicked that field goal in the fourth quarter, we win that game. It's as simple as that. And you can you can blame Santos, sure, but. Marcus on the previous play, if he doesn't take a sack, he's six or seven yards closer. You know, it could all, could all be different. Like you say, Adam, fine margins. If if we stop that long run, were it Marlon Mack or were it Jordan Wilkins? 60-yard run yeah, or whatever it were, yeah. late, we'd probably do a win game. Just that one play. That set yeah. them up to win, really. It's always the case, I think, with the Titans, we get so confident and, and believe in it so much. And then it is just oh, that we'll get that far, ball. do we? <laughs> I do, I personally, and then it's always that one or two plays that are just crushing. And like yeah, you say, yeah. that six-yard run or that field goal miss, you can yeah. point to both of those. I would actually, I would actually at work during the Colts game, and I'm kind of following it tracker on NFL.com. And you know, like obviously the dot with the arrow, the Marlon Max carrying ball, and arrows getting longer and longer and longer. Oh, and obviously, no. I can't see it. And I'm thinking, what, what is happening here? And then obviously, we're. Uh, we're down and needing a late, late drive as usual. Which, to be fair to Marcus, he has come up with a few times. So, just one of them days, I think. You say about fine margins. It's interesting. I mean, you got to look at some of the decision making, like running the clock down, uh, and that that cost us probably forty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Easily, easily have used that forty seconds to get another fifteen, twenty yard closer, if not even get a touchdown and win that game. Um, but in the end, it's just it was just incredibly frustrating game to watch after a lot of promise in Cleveland. I don't think we I think defence were great against Cleveland. Offensively, I thought there was really good bits against Cleveland, but I still didn't think it was the full package, even even with such a convincing win. So to then go and just regress as much in, in the space of a week and against albeit, you know, a much better defence on the day, it was it was just incredibly frustrating. And the number of sacks that Marcus has taken in the last two games has just been it's been crushing to watch because he, he shouldn't be taking them. I think we kind of just yeah. it, but it's just for me, it's kind of killed drives and given us situations where we've been third and fifteen rather than third and three, third and four, and given us you know, the chance of you converting a third down when you not go fifteen yards, it's just it's just not impossible, but it, it certainly doesn't play in your favour. It kind of continued the following Thursday. I, th- I thought we'd bounce back against the Jags. I think part- partly because they're perhaps a better team than I gave them credit for, Cer- certainly on defence. Gardner Minshew, I mean, he- he's inconsistent. He's a sixth-round rook- sixth rookie, but you know, they-, they played okay, and we, we didn't. You know, that trend continued, and that almost felt more gutting to me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I thought after a short week, we'd really get back at it and want to turn the table and, and change the narrative from the Colts game. And I think a few of us have said it on, on group chats beforehand. The the real sucker punch was the beginning and, and Jackson making that, that mistake on the punt and giving away the PI as well um, pretty early on in the game. Um, I think it was Brian that said that. Um, and that was that was a real tone setter. Minshew played pretty well, made a few mistakes. Uh, DBs probably didn't show as well as they could have, um, but he put in some absolute dimes as well at times, um, and a couple of real nice touch throws. 
but yeah, it was a it was a massively disappointing game, especially when you stay up for it as late as we did. <laughs> well, so yeah. you, you stay up, I get up, but that that might be <laughs> that, that might be an age thing. I don't know. I just felt that that whole Jags game on both sides of the ball we were just spinning as wheels. We we're just spinning as wheels all game. Offense could never sustain anything, and defense like DJ Chark's an emerging player, and he looks a, a, a good prospect. But it should it should not be destroying Malcolm Butler like he did. Malcolm Butler should be at least at least getting in the passing lanes, and he just absolutely had his way with him. And I, and I, I'm not just bagging on Butler personally, but that signing. Not a disaster, but not great either. It's kind of just in that middle ground where everything Titans seem to settle. Do you know what he's, I mean? Everything seems to settle into that middle ground where it's it's not great, it's not terrible. And I could probably tell that it's a it's a bone of contention with me. I'm really frustrated where I would just seem to be just coasting in middle constantly. I think Butler's got a bit better than he started last year. He seemed to be the easy target um, when he first joined. That's that seems to have changed a bit. My my view on the the defense in general, though, is that it's it's not their fault. We're one and two. You know, we've held the Colts. No, no, to, no, no. I agree. We've held the Colts to under under twenty points. I, I've forgotten the score there, but and the Jags to to just I say just twenty and seven of those were for that muff punt. Let's be honest. Um, you know, if we need to be scoring more points with the with the ball, that's the, that's the bottom line for me. And our our defense will keep us in most games it's, it's up to dare i say the elephant in the room marcus to get things done yeah i have to say i think if you look at all of our games you don't see many games where we're losing by two scores or more and i think that is down to the fact that the defense keeps us in it pretty much throughout um but they're dragging an offense with them essentially i think because at the moment whether it's marcus or even We've got to talk about the the O line. I mean, it's it's it just yeah, crumbles yeah. in front of him, and that doesn't help him. And he's not. I don't think you can put everything on Marcus for for the offensive failings. There's definitely a, a fair bit you can, but I think you have to look at that O line and have to look at, especially on the inside. Like there's just players there that just can't seem to handle the pressure, and they brought the likes of Saffold in, who so far hasn't shown what he can do. Um, aside from that, they've not. You know, they've not really replaced the likes of Klein. They obviously Panfield's injured, so they've you know they've got players like Douglas who just got absolutely roasted throughout pretty much the whole night. Um, and for me, that's just not going to give Marcus any any chance of being able to succeed or show really what it what he can do because he's just pressured all day. Yeah, on the on the injury report for the game as well, I think it said something Ben Jones had an illness or something going into it, into the Jags game on Thursday night. And I think that showed his partnership with Douglas on right guard was just awful. And that's why Calais Campbell just lit us up the whole game. And it felt like every other play he was in the backfield causing causing issues for Mariota and yeah, it was a it was a tough watch. I, I'd be interested to see now if they go to Davis or what they do when Luan comes back as well, whether they push Conklin on to right guard perhaps and maybe put Kelly on, on right tackle um, whether they decide to play around with that and whether Conklin would be comfortable with that or not I seem to to remember when uh, Conklin had his all pro season in his rookie year a lot of detractors said that it would be because he were getting a lot of help from tight ends 
and six and seven men in line, etc. And I'm no offensive line expert, but over his over his last couple of seasons, and I understand he's come back from an horrendous injury. I can kind of see where that where that logic were coming from because every time he is exposed one on one with with a premier pass rusher, he just he looks out of his depth. He looks as if he does need help. He looks as if he does need, and he's supposed to be. They're supposed to be bookend tackles, Conklin and Luan. And I can't remember Conklin since his rookie year, a game where you've really thought, yeah, they are bookends. Do you know what I mean? Is, is this is this Conklin's third or fourth year? Yeah, third, third, third year. So, um, so first first year. So yeah, last season he probably wasn't fit at any point. Started started on pup last season, didn't he? and yeah. then. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I, it makes me wonder. But like I say, I'm no, I'm no offensive line expert. I can't go and look at all 22 and and tell you what were happening along that line in in any great detail. But it makes me wonder whether the detractors in his first year saying that he had a lot of help to to put together that all pro season were correct. There was a stat, was he like he didn't, <laughs> he wasn't to blame for a single sack or something in that season. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, which, yeah, regardless of how much help he's, he's getting, yeah, yeah. is impressive. Yeah. Uh, One thing I was going to say is, there is, with as much as we are going to say a lot about how bad the offence was, Marcus still threw for over 300 yards on that Thursday night, which yeah. seems crazy to me, which, like, for 300 yards, you're basically only getting seven points. Yeah, and... there's, a bit, there's a bit of garbage time in there, to yeah. be fair. It, it's it's got there's got to be a factor behind the if you're going to throw for 304 yards and not throw a single touchdown and only get seven points across the entire offense then there's something there's something not right and there's whether it you've got to look at things like factors like you know obviously the fourth and sixth call you've got to look at factors like you know like that but for me you know, I, I I hated that we're not going to agree on that are we I I I didn't like that at all. No. I I ended up probably about twenty minutes after it happened actually agreeing with you because we ended up getting within thirteen or what it within ten and we would have been within seven would have been in, within a score and straight away I thought yeah Adam were probably right there but at time I liked it it's, I, it's, I liked being aggressive like you said with the first play with Dory Jackson that was all about um, setting a bit of a, a trend and setting the kind of you know because we literally got them three and out and a Dory Jackson muffs the punt. And the crowd are with Jags again. And it would have been a similar situation where if we just kicked through and got the three points, it would have quieted them down very slightly. As soon as they got the stop, they were up again. And it's so it's it's all, all about, and we talk about fine margins, it's all about those fine margins. But it's also, especially away from home, keeping keeping the home crowd out of the game. And yeah, three, they're not gonna be they're not gonna be loud, they're not gonna be shouting too much. If we then could have got a three and out and been on a, another offensive drive. You're definitely going to be you know, in a different position than it probably would have ended up being. If there's one thing yeah, this team, sorry, sorry, Harry. Go, go, go ahead, your grand. If, if there's one thing this team excels at since Vrabel has been head coach, it's sticking in games and just keeping that scoreboard rolling. Three definitely points, seven points, defensive points. Definitely, and I think we just really struggled to build that tension during that game and to to make Jaguars think. Oh, we're in a bit of a dogfight here now. And as soon as you get a team thinking that way, I think it's the same in any sport. You know, as soon as you start double guessing yourself and thinking, oh, should we make this safe run play and, and maybe just try and get it, drain the clock a little bit. Um, 
that's when I think the Titans could have had their edge. Where, whereas going for that fourth and sixth, realistically, we hadn't been good on third down all game. We hadn't been good on on fourth down. Obviously, apart that was our only turn. But yeah, I just didn't fancy it as soon as it happened. And I would have rather the three points there. And I think that would have built the tension for Jags. And we could have maybe scraped out with a win, but would have definitely needed a couple of things to go our way in between there as well. Yeah. Most frustrating thing as well with, with the last two losses to probably put a bow on them both is we're, we're talking all, all off-season, good to great, good to great, good to great. Jags, they're fairly decent. I'm not I'm not going to, as much as I can't stand Jacksonville, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to uh, bag on them too much, but they're a decent team and we, we just struggle mightily. And that, for me, that's not good to great. That's average. The thing, the thing, the Jags are a decent defense. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced by their offense. I'm not. Fournette is a bit hit and miss. He's doing some silly things. He had a, yeah. Other than that big run towards the end, he's, he's virtually. I think he had negative yards. That's the start but, line you'll never ever see again. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's their defense that's won in that game, really, um, and, and special teams. Again, going back to the score lines, and to a certain extent, it was true of the Colts as well. Although they've they've got more to more to offer on offense. Um, I, uh, being optimistic, there's a part of me that thinks, well, yeah, Marcus has had it has had it tough behind a, a leaky offensive line. You know, Arthur Smith's only three games into calling plays against a, a weaker D with more holes. That might be Atlanta. I don't know. It might be it might be some other games down the line. We should have a bit more success in theory. My concern, if I'm on the pessimistic side, is how Marcus's head is, and you know, is is there anything wrong there? I feel that play callings have been a bit conservative, well, to to say the least, almost almost in fear of what Marcus might do, or or just protecting him a bit too much. Yeah, he's he's getting he's getting loads of pressure, but we're not really taking the risks and he's, he's capable of throwing a lovely deep ball like like those passes you're talking about with Minshew Marcus can throw those but it, it feels like it's being taken out of his hands he hasn't he hasn't as terrible as it's looked he hasn't thrown an interception this season but that's because he's I think that's down to the play balls and it's down to the the risks that they're not actually taking so even even in you look at you look at the game even the Cleveland game where you put points on the board there wasn't many, many times where he went for a bit of a 50-50 throw, which he probably would have gone for last year and the year before, which is why he gets picked off occasionally. But for me, so I think it's been a bit safe, and that's why he hasn't got the interceptions it probably previously has. But that said, for me, it's, it's what frustrates me is when when we're third and long and we send Dion Lewis out for a, for a little run. And, uh, yeah. Yards, and it's like, well, you might as well just brought Kern out on third down for, for a laugh. Why not? It's it's that that's that's the kind of play calling that we saw last year as well under Lafleur from time to time, and we're seeing it a little bit now like once again. And it's 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 almost like we're just waving waving the right flag for uh, for that particular drive, and let's move on and get the defense out there. Because for me, that's that's the kind of thing that we should be taking taking more risks when when we need to get that third down conversion, which at the moment we just don't seem to do. I agree, but it's also a lot harder when you're third and thirteen all the time. So it's, yeah, we've got to be better. We've got to be better on first and second down as well. Yeah, um, so I, d- I don't I, mind. Yeah, I mean the Dion Lewis screen at third and 
really long. Uh, you're in a hole anyway. I don't necessarily mind that as much as, yeah, the sec the second and long, they that they were what were annoying me more than you know. Do you... And we back to kind of hinting on what Greg's saying. When we've been in in decent field position and we've been in like third and long, why not take a deep shot? Because if it get if it gets picked off, it's like a punt. Yeah, yeah. As long as you bring fair. that guy down. Only, only thing you're doing is bringing his QBR down, which at the end of the day means very little. How, how many of those throws have been open where it's been a 50-50 ball, but is potentially Mariota looking a bit behind his shoulder, looking at Tannehill on the bench and thinking, oh, heck, if I throw a few few inceptions and my stat line doesn't look too good, a lot more casual fans will be calling for his head. And then how long then does that build the pressure? I keep on saying pressure, but does that then build the pressure on then the coaching staff to think actually fans are calling for it? Let's see what Tannehill can do in week eight or week seven or or whenever it may be. I th- I think fans are, are largely well, not all of us obviously are largely more knowledgeable than they give get credit for. You know, we can see we can see that, and we're yeah you know, we're four guys from across the pond. We can see that Marcus isn't isn't setting the world alight by any means. And the fact that he hasn't thrown any, any interceptions and these things are being discussed says that that's obvious enough to me. I'd, I almost prefer it if he takes a risk. And yeah, yeah I don't I mind. Too. Yeah, fine, third and 15, throw a screen if we're back on our own 10-yard line. Um, but, you know, if you're around midfield, yeah, take a shot. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, as, as you say, what have you got to lose other than his stat line and... You know, the, the coaching staff shouldn't care about that. And I'd like to think Marcus doesn't. I think for whatever you might say about him, he's a smart enough guy. And he's, his, his attitude, I could never fault. The, the only stat line that matters is the number of wins at the end of the day. Yeah, of he, course. He's, you know, if, he, if he leads this team to, not, well, not necessarily from this position, but at the start of the season, if, he's, if we're 10-6 or 11-5, everyone's going to be saying, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty much got that deal. Regardless of whether Derek Henry is picking up 70% of the touchdowns and we're just running everything. I still think yeah, that he's, you know, we go and get into the playoffs comfortably and win the division. I don't think there's any doubt that they would they would give him the contract. The problem is now is that he's had two pretty bad defeats and both divisional defeats where he's not really shown anything of, of to kind of fill us with any real confidence. Um, and that for us now is just, there's just always going to be Tannehill behind him on the bench. As soon as as soon as they bring Tannehill in, that is it. There is no way back, and that is pretty much them saying that's the decision made. And Tannehill is now they're just preparing for next season when they then draft someone who will probably then sit behind Tannehill for a year. That's pretty much what the decision would, would be. There's no way they would they would bring Tannehill back in and then bring Mariota back in at a later date. It's going to be very much case, unless he gets injured. It's going to be very much a case of once they make that call, they're pretty much said to the world. He's not our man. But I was actually going to ask questions to you guys around if you're the GM and you had to make the decision right now, what would you do? Um, personally, I, I often think, are we, are we looking a gift horse in the mouth with Marcus? Because when you look around, around the league, see so many backups playing badly, so many starters on thin ice. It is hard. It's hard to get a competent NFL starting quarterback 
and put winning seasons together. And that I feel that is what we've got. But everybody wants Mahomes. Everybody wants Rogers. Everybody wants Brady. And those guys like never come along. Teams can win, and teams can win Super Bowls with competent starting quarterbacks, good scheming, and a good defense. And I feel like we have got that guy. And what's happening over the last probably four or five months, probably since Tannehill signed in in Nashville, I think what's happening is Marcus is starting to let all these doubts seep in. Whereas in his first four years. He never did. He's been undisputed starter, always confident, always accountable. Um, and I feel now, for some reason, for some reason, I think these doubts are starting to creep into him. I think can tell. I don't think he's got a different demeanour. He is who he is, and his attitude is always spot on. But I think he can tell in his play that he's jittery and he's, he's undecided. and He's making rookie mistakes that I have seen him iron out. Uh, I'm not... Uh, do you know what I mean? I'm not... I'm not seeing things. I have seen him play elite at times and I've seen him play bottom at barrel. And I think it's really hard to make that decision. But my, if I were a GM, going back to the original question, I'd have rambled. If I were a GM, <laughs> um, I would be wary of casting aside a competent NFL starter because I think drafting one of them is really, really hard to do. It's interesting. Yeah. Neil, you said uh, you tweeted something during the Jags game about so, might have been about half time and you said that you can't see this team winning this game with Marcus under centre and I agree with you like the heat the heat of the moment as bad as that game looked I, I felt the same I just couldn't see a way that Marcus was going to win that game he just didn't look right and in in other games in recent years like, the, like that that Eagles game last year you know he's, he's playing hurt all of last year he's copying a load of flack but he's still pulling games like that out of the bag the um yeah, clutch drives have sort of summed him up. Some you know, why we've we've all fallen for him, but it just didn't didn't get a sense that he had one of those in him, or even anything close to that. But to go back to to finally go back to Greg's question, it's it's too early in the cold light of day. Yeah, you asked me that question at halftime in the Jags game, and I'm yeah, stick Tannehill in. We can't we haven't got anything to lose. But now I don't I don't see what that solves. Tannehill's not the future of the franchise um, and it's too soon to give up on, on Marcus. He's had, he's had a couple of bad games. He's copped, he's, he cops more flack outside of the Titans, Titans fans, fans of other teams who don't ever watch the Titans play seem to know more than we do about him, which is, which constantly winds me up. But yeah, it's, it's too soon to, to cast him aside at this point. I don't see what sticking Tannehill gets you at week in week four totally agree i think it's better than better the devil be, that you know in this situation we know some of marcus's flaws but we also know that he's going to give his all i mean <laughs> time um this year he's had a couple of bad games like we we've all pointed out but what we need is a, is a bit more of a game manager somebody who can make those clutch throws first and second down need to be a little bit better but yeah better the, the devil that you know and um, I wouldn't move to Tannehill quite yet, for sure. It's an interesting one because if you look at um, you look at the Titans two years ago, when back in the days when when we had the likes of you know Demarco Murray, we were like the fourth quarter team. Every every game we were always down by the end of the third quarter, and the fourth quarter would be normally a clutch drive from Mariota to go and 
to go and win us the game. Um, but it feels like a, quite a while since we've seen that. And that's something that for me, if I, if going back to like my original question, if I'm the GM, what would I be doing if I had to make the decision right now? Do I see Mariota as the man who's going to take us to a Super Bowl? That's probably the main question I'd be asking myself. And the struggle is, I'm not sure I do. And I completely agree with, with Neil's point that there, you can get to a Super Bowl with a competent quarterback, and that is certainly what he is. But you, at the same time, there's a there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and you have to look at like the O line. You have to look at um, you know the receivers that he's got available to him because. I don't think the Titans have helped him. Certainly this year, with the O-line they put out there, even, obviously, I know Luan is... is, There's not a lot we can do about that. That is what it is in that respect. But not really replacing the guards, apart from Saffold. The right guard, I still think, there's a huge, huge gap there. Even with Panfield, I'm not sure he's he's the answer. Um, And then also with Jones, I'm I'm still a little bit on the fence of whether I see, see him as the kind of main man in the middle... Um, but for me, if I had to make a decision right now, would I take? I'd probably take the punt and say, that, "Let's give someone else a try." Um, but it's very much dependent on on who's in the draft and who's actually available to come and. Uh, are we going to go and get someone who's then going to be a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback? That's that's something I was just going to say. Is would does anybody think that something could crop up other than? Having an eye draft pick or a rookie, what what could influence John Robinson's decision on Mario to say uh, Raiders cut ties with Derek Carr or Jaguars roll with Minshew and, and cut ties with Nick Falls? Do you think something like that could crop up and from out of nowhere ch- totally change his perception? I'd be surprised. But I think if you're uh, if you're Robinson, you're you're going to punt on who's in the draft. I think realistically, I don't see. Um, yeah, I think Tannehill. The reason he was brought in is is, is that someone that if we do cut ties with with, with Mariota is because we bring someone in the draft and he could because he's a capable player. He's 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 been a starter for I don't know five six years with albeit yeah, we had Castle and Gabbert. Yeah, Tannehill made sense, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. If if Mariota, so whether Mariota went down or whether Mariota was was essentially cut come the end of the season. He was always going to be. He'll be if he does get cut. He'll be the starter next year with a with a rookie behind him, and they'll do a similar to what KC did with Mahomes. They'll hope to get someone like Mahomes, uh, obviously, and they'll put him behind like they did with Alex Smith for the for the year. Um, that's that's where I, I'd see it, but I think for, for me, see, I I I sorry to no, I, I, I just see Tannehill right now as more likely to win a game than Marcus, but I just don't think it's for bigger reasons than this coming Sunday, I don't think it's the right call because I don't, I, I don't know that Marcus isn't the guy yet. I, I, I'm starting to suspect and fear it because I, but I love him too much and I find, I find it hard to let go. Yeah, and obviously, if you, if you draft another rookie, which I'm not saying we should never do, you should always take shots. What's that saying? You miss 100% of shots, shots that you don't take. I always think we should take shots, but if we draft another rookie, we're back to square one. Uh, is he the guy? He has a bad game. He's a bust. He has a great game. He's next Joe Montana. We're on that hamster wheel again. Where game the draft and game could be a crap shoot, though. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Um, I kind of feel like 
we've we've done those hard yards with Mariota and kind of not being rewarded. But that happens so much around the NFL, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at look at the Bears with Trubisky. They're probably a. They, I don't see them winning the Super Bowl with him, but you know, stick stick someone else in their team, and they've got you know, they're the Patriots, aren't they? It's, I, I mean, I don't I don't think we're a million miles away from that. I think Marcus no, is I think better, that's better, but our, our defense isn't isn't so good. But that's the kind of problem we we now have. Yeah, that's the really frustrating thing I often find is that we aren't a million miles away. Actually, we're pretty close to it. We've got decent skill positions, um, a great running game when it's working, clicking, and our defense is is really solid. But it's just finding that spark at the quarterback position, and I, and it's just where that comes from. You talk about uh, sticking one player into Bears offense. I feel that's what our defense is. It's really strong, really durable. Bend but don't break. If you stick somebody in the middle, say like an Aaron Donald, which obviously we've got Jeff Simmons to come in. So exactly, know. yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you stick somebody in like that, that makes it an elite defense, and that's where we're just short again, fine margins. <clears throat> yeah, we've 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 played the long game with that pick, and I think that was a great pick. If it were, sadly, we've got to wait for him, haven't we? Yeah, we just need we need like a, a, a destroyer, for lack of a better terms. Somebody who's going to mess up that pocket every single down, and that's I don't think we have got that. Yeah, K- quite Casey at the moment. might yeah, have been Casey. that at one stage, but yeah, think he is yeah. anymore. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, uh, I mean, he entered a great start to the season. Obviously, he's another one, Mister Reliable. Uh, but I just feel we need that X Factor player to make it uh, from a, a great D a decent D to a, a really, really top tier. Okay. Um, at the risk of sounding a bit like this is some kind of radio show hosted by Alan Partridge, um, we, Neil, you said before we came on, let's try a little uh, regular feature of the show that we may never hear again after this, uh, but a, a hero and villain of the week. And I think, well, you came up with this. Uh, you're going to name them. Hero right. might be quite hard after the after the week. We um, hero in in honour of uh, the all white uniform returning on Sunday, I'm going to nominate Kevin Byers <laughs> for standing okay. on star and wearing the stormtrooper uniform as it's uh, become known. And uh, my villains, Jamie Cuttridge uh, from the Transatlantic Titans group, <laughs> um, as I was saying on group chat, uh, when we're playing well, it's conspicuous by his absence. And when we're getting a beating, um, it's blowing up game threads. Um, and I think it's that's his thing. That's his gimmick. Um, and he does a damn good job of it. So all respect to Jamie. He's, he's never, he it. never thinks that Titans are ever going to win a game, does he? <laughs> and he's annoyed when they do. That's the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a certain... Oh, oh, don't know what the word is, but you, you almost—I think he likes to be miserable about the Titans, like in in a in a humorous way. But yeah, you you, you couldn't see him getting getting too excited. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy his comments. I always, uh, I oh, always, yeah. I always have a laugh when he pops up. <laughs> um, well, we know what he's he well what he's going to predict for the Falcons on Sunday. Um, so there's, there's no point going there. What about the rest of us? Any optimism? Yeah, so, yeah, I think there's a touch. I think it'll be close. The only real optimism I've got is that Keanu Neal's out for the Falcons. Um, obviously, a, a fantastic hard-hitting safety. 
Um, hopefully him being out will sort of aid our run game a little bit um, from our side. Um, I think if we if we execute the things that we've done quite well, uh, um, Dean P's sort of calls a great game on defence, which he has done for three weeks so far, I personally think. I think we've got a really good chance. Um, I think we can win. It'll be close, really close. I'd be surprised if it's anything more than a score either way. Um, but yeah, our secondary has been our, it should be our strength, but it sometimes really let us down. I think if Butler and Jackson play to their potential and shut down Jones and Sanu, then I think we've got a really good chance and, and force Ryan to make a couple of untidy throws who's not looked like the, the Matty Ryan of old from the, the few clips that I've seen of him so far this season. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to uh, talk about the next two because I think the we, in my opinion, will be one and one. But I'm just not sure which way around it will be. I'm not sure if we'll lose to the Falcons and beat the Bills. But it is a very much Titans thing that we could easily go and turn over the, the Falcons and then go back home to the Bills and, and lose that game. So it may, for me, I think um, it, I'm not quite sure which way around it's going to go. But I definitely see it uh, in the next two or one and one and. Uh, Knowing, knowing the Titans, where, where the Falcons game is one that probably not expected to win. I think some people will probably expect Atlanta to win at home. So it's definitely one that we could go and upset, uh, upset the apple cart like we seem to do quite often against those, those teams where it's not expected to be. I think I was, um, I was listening to uh, some other podcasts and they were talking about being the underdog and, and that's what we want to be. Because I, I don't think, you know, look at Cleveland week one, no one expected us to win and no one expected anything. And we went and absolutely blew them out. Uh, come back to the Colts, everyone's thinking, oh, this is the year we're going to beat the Colts and we go and get beat. So for me, it's uh, it's definitely a game that's, that's it's a winnable game. It'll be a very, very tough game. But I think we probably will we'll be one and one in the next two. Um, going on Atlanta game, I think we talked earlier about pressure. And I think it's a different kind of pressure that Atlanta are under to what we're under. Our pressure kind of comes from the Titans fan community where we're so desperate for them to do well. But I think on a national scale, everybody just expects Titans to be terrible. So Atlanta, the kind of a national team, a big market team, fancied to do well, probably third or fourth favourite in NFC before the season started. And I think they're under insane pressure to win at home. And I think that could work in our favour as kind of win like a nothing to lose situation after two poor performances um, and I think them being at home and them being one and two I think there's immense pressure on them to beat us we'll be seen as kind of a homecoming game sort of thing for them um, that being said I think it's going to be tough um, I think we we struggled to to keep up with Gardner Minshew's offence and if Matt Ryan turns up anything like, I think we'll struggle to keep up with Atlanta as well. Sorry to be negative. I think my, my problem is, uh, when it comes to, to the game this week, is that I think if for us it, is, it feels a little bit must-win. Because I think if we go and, and lose another game, I, I think it's just going to bring out more people who uh, hate on Mario to, uh, that, that we should be changing the quarterback. It's just going to put yeah, more yeah. pressure on the likes of Robinson, the likes of Rabel to make that decision. So from, I think this, as much as we're kind of on a hiding to nothing, you know, we've lost the last two and no one's kind of expecting us to win. At the same time, we kind of, we kind of have to. We kind of need to break this little little streak of, of two pretty poor performances, get something of, of value out of the game and, more importantly, get the win 
just to kind of turn the tide slightly to bring it into that next game against the Bills where we are going to be are probably more at home, more favourites. Um, but yeah, I just think it, it's not must win, but it's certainly, I think you'll hear a lot more, especially on the likes of Twitter. And yeah, yeah. Really going to be after Mariota if we lose. I To me, it's Atlanta is a matchup that I fancy us a bit more than Buffalo, actually. I mean, maybe ignoring the venues, ignoring the fact we're on the road and they're back at home. But the Bills' defence worries me more than Atlanta does. So that That's where the crux of our issues are to me, is how, how our offensive line's going to do, how Marcus is going to do. And I, I, fancy, I fancy there'll be more opportunities against the Atlanta D. Yeah, you mentioned Matt Ryan and, their, and Julio Jones and their, their offence. That actually doesn't concern me as much because I trusted our D more than I trust our offense. Um, as weird as that might sound, I don't know if I'm looking at things the wrong way around. But yeah, it's just whether the pressure is too much at the moment. That's what worries me. Um, but I'm going to be positive and say that blindly that the Titans are going to win this week because I think that every week. But as I say, I think Atlanta are under immense pressure as well. So it is an interesting game because, like I say, must win, feels must win for both. I feel yeah, that's that, a fair point. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's easy feel, to not look at it from the other perspective, yeah. isn't it? I feel uh, they they were really fancied coming into the season, expected to. I mean, Dan Quinn's been their coach for what four years now, defensive expert, and he's never really put a good defense on field. So I think they were expected to actually turn that corner this year, and it's obviously not not gone to plan through three weeks as it hasn't for ourselves really. So it's an interesting game. I think I must admit this is actually the one game where pressure. In my opinion, isn't as much on Mariotto. It's more on the coaching. I think you look at, as I say, some of the the very odd decisions we've seen in the last two weeks. The fourth and sixth call, running the clock down, just just you know the kind of decisions, kind of a little bit erratic decisions that we've seen on 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 the sideline play calling as well as we mentioned earlier. I think that needs a big week. We need a, a real positive game plan, a real positive uh, sheet for for us to kind of move forward and and. And actually give give you know the fans who are going to be watching something to kind of cling on to because if we if we call if we can make the right calls and we don't do any kind of silly make any silly decisions on the sideline I think Marcus has got the ability to go and turn that into a winning game quite easily um, as long as he's, he's he's on fire but for me I think there's been a lot and this this is where I kind of not everything is on Mariota for me because I think he's definitely not been helped out by on the field from the O-line point of view, but also off the field and some of the play calling decisions um, and just generally some of the decisions that have been made. Just uh, just one more point on Mariota as well. I thought when he did get outside the pocket against Jacksonville, he looked, he looked kind of fast. He looked back to his old... He looked spry, as they say in America. Um, <laughs> he looked kind of back to his old... Um, I, I worried that, that too many injuries had kind of took that element away from his game, but he looked, looked good. To, to my eye, against Jacksonville, when yeah. he actually got outside pocket and ran. And I think we should scheme that more. I mean, he talked in off-season about building up and being more durable. Let's let's put it to test. Let's be oh, more yeah, expansive. He's put on a stone. That he, can't, yeah. he can't work out how to do that at the moment. I don't mean the scheme plays. I mean, actually just taking off when there's nothing yeah. there. Yeah. Probably because he's under so much pressure the whole time. But yeah. Also, fear. Fear with it as well. You know, he's last year, the amount of injuries that he had that we found out by the end of the, the season, 
which is ridiculous, and he doesn't want to be in the same position, especially because of that that backup actually being a bit of a legit backup this time, which you which goes into the fear thing that you said. Just should stop him hurdling somebody in is it week one or week two <laughs> to try and get a first down, did it? I mean, <laughs> early in game, if the, if game plan allows to to maybe call a couple of players where there's only a couple of reads, two reads, and then take off, um, and just test the waters, see how that goes, and maybe be more expansive with it as game goes on because we seem to just have a, a rigid this is game plan, this is how we've practised all week, this is how walkthrough went, no game script will ever change that game plan and that's how Vrabel seems to coach um, it just needs to just loosen Just to, I, I mean I'm, I'm not really massively criticising Mike Vrabel by saying this but it just needs to just loosen his principles just a touch and not be so rigid if I had one criticism of him as a coach well, fingers crossed for Sunday. Um, what are your, well, what's everyone's plans for for watching it? Mine are nearly always um, sitting at home on my own and trying to get the family interested. But <laughs> pretty um, much same. <laughs> Very similar for me, just sitting at home and uh, mostly angry tweeting through the game. Uh, whenever it's not going well for me, it's pretty much uh, my my Sunday ritual. <laughs> A nice big pizza in the oven, I think. A couple of beers and uh, try and not get too annoyed at the game if it doesn't go our way. I think we'll be the plan for Sunday, for sure. I'll be honest. I'm just counting down the uh, the next three, three, four weeks before, uh, before I'm out there for, for those yeah, well, we, for the, for we're the, actually, the game. We're actually on the same flight, we found out. Um, so I think it's like three weeks and one day until we're out flying. Oh, brilliant. Uh, cannot wait. Yeah, you're making me envious. Um, let's let's finish off the show with, well, something a little bit different. Um, we've talked Titans for nearly 50 minutes, which is much more than I'm normally allowed to talk Titans with anybody. Uh, but yeah, un, I guess non-Titans business or non-Titans matters. So if anybody's got anything to get off their chest, now is the time to do it. So is this like, uh, do I have to rant or do I just have to you randomly do. bring up a subject? Or It's our first podcast, do what you like. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a usually fan. Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, fair Play you, Award. If you, if you follow me, yeah, Fair Play Award. That is uh, probably <laughs> only thing we'll win. But anyway, um, I've got a rant, I suppose, about my car, which is really bizarre. But I've just recently started a new job bought myself a little runabout as we say around here and uh, <laughs> anybody translate that yeah I, I didn't get any of it <laughs> basically I bought a second car and I start it on a morning and it behaves it takes me to work it gets me on from work then next day it splutters and engine light flashes and then it rolls downhill and then I turn it off tick it over again and it works perfectly and i take it to a garage and he starts it up and it works perfectly for him and it's like it makes me look like i'm lying <laughs> i don't know i know nothing about cars that's all i can assume from that no it's it's a clear um i know nothing about cars at all but it's really really got on my nerves this week because i thought well I'm hoping it's flashing when I get in car and I'm hoping it's misfiring and then I can take it to garage and then it'll just start up 
and take me perfectly to work as if nothing ever happened day before. Um, and it's one of them things where, like, I don't know if it's a bit of OCD or I'm a bit of a control freak. If I don't know how to mend something and I'm relying on somebody else to do it, really great on me. Are you concerned that they're laughing at you behind your back when you've, when you've gone away? Yeah, possibly, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it's just it's just a zoom that blocks no cars inside out and, and I do not. Oh, I'm with you. I know nothing whatsoever. <laughs> I always feel like the, the in-betweeners where Will goes and works in work experience in a garage, I always feel a bit like that. Like, as, as soon as your back's turned, uh, they're just laughing at you. Yeah. Because I've, I've called a tyre a carburettor or something. And, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This guy is still under guarantee, but like I keep taking it back to the garage I bought it from, and he seems reluctant to like do anything other than just move a few things around. Do you know what I mean? He seems reluctant to like actually spend any money. He's just happy to get me away with it running. Um, it's like uh, that old show, Minder, one lady owner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's my uh, my gripe for this week. Very good, very good. Mine's, I've got a very, very quick one. Mine is actually still NFL-related and slightly Titans-related. It's actually something that uh, Delaney Walker came out and said, I think it was either yesterday or maybe early today, when he was basically uh, saying and that players can't take flack anymore. And he was being quite generalised with it. I think he, was, he wasn't kind of necessarily saying it's just, just in our locker room, but... I found it quite interesting because I, I actually think watching I mean watching NFL for the last sort of five, six years especially, you can see even on the field it's like there's penalties now being called that you're just like, that's not a penalty. Like that's barely holding or that's you know, pass interference calls. I do think the game game's getting a little soft. It's, there's there's certainly some questionable calls out on the field, but also in in the locker rooms you get players now with player power calling for trades all the time. It'd be interesting to see what you guys think around and how the game's changed over the years. I think there have been a lot of flags this year. Like, it, each game I've watched, it's just felt particularly offensive holding, like way more than normal. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's one of those things like people will say it happens on every play. Um, yeah, there's, there's some soft, soft calls being made at the moment. Um, I'll tell you what, a trend I have noticed over, over the last few seasons coaches like, it's not, I suppose it's, it's it's around players not being able to take flak, but I've noticed a lot of coaches will not will refuse to put ball in the best player's hands because they've got X player that they drafted in third round as a compliment and they want to split them carries. And you can see what is effective when you watch games and what's not effective. And coaches are like so stubborn nowadays. They're like, this is my game plan and these are players I want to get touches and I refuse to put ball in, in hands of my playmakers. And I wonder if that's an ego thing where these highly drafted players that have been brought in as a second running back or a, a fourth wide receiver can't transition from college and imagine not getting ball, not getting touches of ball or not getting enough enough work in that respect. And um, I think it was a podcast I was listening to on The Athletic the other day and there's so many teams like, putting the ball in hands of like fifth and sixth round running backs or undrafted guys or plodders and you see an explosive player get his hands on ball and make something happen and then he'll come out for like three series. I think some of that at this point of the season is pre-seasons and that's a pointless waste of time. So you, you get teams come in and they don't really know what some of their rookies can do. So like weeks, weeks one, two, three, you sometimes get strange results. I think it's just teams trying to find out 
you know, like look at Denver last year with Philip Lindsay. You know, was he undrafted or seventh round or something? And he's yeah. come in and done better than Royce Freeman. You know, it, yeah. It's you might have a guy like that on your roster, but teams just don't know. I just think I just think back, particularly when I first start watching game, you get like each team had like triplets. Would you could say like a, a quarterback, a stud running back, and a stud wide receiver, and offense went through those three guys because. They yeah. made things happen, and, and I think now there's too many teams wanting to be like six, seven, eight playmakers deep on offense, and I just don't think it works. I think it's games changed not for worse. I think games changed in a way where everybody's trying to be the smartest. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to be the smartest guy in the room, um, and everybody's thinking they can take a, an undrafted player from smallest college you can imagine and turn him into an all pro. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of that in current NFL. And there's a lot of thinking outside box for thinking outside the box's sake. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. Um, Harry, have you got something more mundane? Or, well, not... Yeah. My, my main gripe this week, and it is first world problems by an absolute mile. But there's oh, just not, them. Enough space, not enough space on a PlayStation 4 for all the games that you want to have. So at the moment, I'm in the, I'm in the tricky situation of culling a couple of beautiful career modes that I've had on MLB or ice hockey to then buy the new one. Or, or And you just feel as if you wasted all your time doing all of these careers. <laughs> then I mean, you're wasting your time anyway. You're not achieving anything from them. But yeah, it's my major frustration this week. A couple of great games are coming out on PlayStation Plus this, this week. Um, with And... I know I've got to delete two games, but yeah. the decision is killing me at the moment. So that's my, <laughs> that's my fact. It's funny you should say that. It's funny you should say that because I got in from work today about two-ish and uh, the missus weren't coming home or quarter to five. And I thought, can I finish Red Dead Redemption in this couple of hours so I can then delete it to download FIFA at midnight? <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly the problem you've just uh, obviously mentioned. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a heartbreaking one. It's heartbreaking. But yeah, <laughs> out and, uh, I've had to make some game, some big game decisions here now. <laughs> it's like everyone's everyone's got iPhones pretty much, and but you've never got enough space. Like all the technology in the world, like the best the best thing you can buy pretty much. But you're like, oh, do I get the 64 gig or the 128? No, I'm going to save save a few pennies and just annoy myself the whole time. I don't, I'm not sure with the PS PS4 if you could get more memory. I don't know. I'm not sure how that works, but you can buy one. I think you can buy one, and I'm seriously looking into it. You know, with some with some looks at the moment, but <laughs> <laughs> don't want to admit defeat. Do you? No. Um, shall I give you something even more mundane? I, I've I wanted to mention the fact that Essex have won the double, but that won't that won't interest a lot of people. But um, just just a mindless commuter on a train behaviour this morning. Well, not mindless. Um, some, some lady was sat on a seat by the aisle, put a bag on the floor next to her. Not particularly busy train. Not in anybody's way. Somebody gets on, just wants to make a point. I clock her just audibly tutting. And the lady didn't actually notice whose bag it was. And she went down to sit down, got up a couple of stops down the line. Same lady who'd obviously been stewing for 10 minutes, like just being really angry. How can I make a point? 
and she deliberately went out of her way to trip over the bag. <laughs> she then turned around and had a massive go at the, the bemused lady who owned the bag. Like, I watched her, and I knew, I almost knew what was coming. Like, she, she wants to make a point. She deliberately tripped over the bag to the point of nearly hurting herself. <laughs> some, some people just, just want a Barney, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't get yeah. that. Got to love that. Whatever does it for you, I suppose. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like, uh, yeah. I, I have anger. We all have anger at times, but I can, I can get being constantly angry like that, or just going out of your way to look for stuff. To be honest, we could do a podcast purely on commuter hell. Uh, I'm on the same boat as you. I get <laughs> Me and you could probably just do a podcast just purely on getting a train into London every day. So, yeah, it's yeah. none of that. For, none of that for me. Watch this. In this uh, these <laughs> rolling hills. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let's. We yeah, have got th- trains, thanks. by the way. We have got trains. They do exist in, in the those, Yeah, those are basically buses on wheels, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're not steam powered over here. The, the, the same trains. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pedal yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leeds has a station, doesn't it? I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. yeah. It's big. It's bigish. It's got three platforms. Yeah, I, I yeah. jest. I jest. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks all of you um, for well for, for joining me. Thanks mainly to Harry who suggested it the other day. Um, hopefully, hopefully we've all enjoyed it. Hopefully, anyone who's listened to this has enjoyed it. It's been an hour, so well done for getting <laughs> getting through it. Yeah, let let us know what you think at Transatlantic TN on Twitter and join our Facebook group if you're not already. Um, of which which Neil set up as we as we said all those five six years ago the Mettenberger years, uh, but yeah, get in touch. Let us know if you want to come on. Um, we we might not we might get tired of this very quickly and, and want other other people to do it instead. Who knows? Uh, yeah, but just just let us know what you think. We will be on Apple Podcasts soon. Hopefully, we're not quite there yet, but we are on other podcatchers. Um, Anchor who are, are sticking this out. They've sort of sorted that out uh, but yeah um thanks very much all really and we we might be back next week we we're not sure yet haven't really haven't really thought that far ahead but that, but there you go hope you've enjoyed it and um, let's know what you think and bye for now tighten up tighten up <laughs>